Welcome to the Women in Fire radio show. The title of our show today is going to be In Baskets and How to Be Successful. Thank you to Fire Engineering for allowing Women in Fire to be part of their radio show series. Before we get started, we would like to, Women in Fire would like to express our sincere condolences to the family and friends and Fire Engineering family on the passing of Bobby Halton. He's been a longtime supporter of Women in Fire and he worked hard to create an inclusive environment for women in the fire service. So I am Lisa Baker. I am the Southwestern trustee for Women in Fire. So as I mentioned, today our show is going to be about in-baskets. So what is an in-basket? An in-basket is used to determine your ability to prioritize and accomplish multiple tasks simultaneously. They are used to determine if a particular candidate is well-equipped with the dimensions of time management as well as organizational skills, which are required for being a company officer. You're expected to create a clear path of how to manage the workload that has been presented to you. You're expected to use the appropriate fire department correspondence, whether it be a memo, a format, forms, emails, etc. They test the candidate's knowledge of the SOPs, your SOGs, personnel issues, and your understanding of community service and community risk. Today, I have Heidi Simon, who is a lieutenant with South Metro Fire in the Denver, Colorado area. She has taught numerous classes at Women in Fire on the in-basket and how to be successful as well as at at other venues. Thank you so much, Heidi, for um, agreeing to be on the show today to discuss the importance of in-baskets. Thank you for having me, Lisa. So, Heidi, why is knowing about an in-basket important? So the in-baskets have been um, kind of in and out of vogue in fire service testing over the years. And um, I think they're starting to come back, particularly at the captain and battalion chief levels. But I think we'll start seeing them at the lieutenant levels as well. In fact, they may already be there. Um, The importance of them and what they really uh, give us the practice to do is to learn how to prioritize and manage our day. We do an in-basket every day that we come to work. We start our shift off and we have all of these things that are delivered to us on a silver platter, whether it's a call first first out of the door, um, the 15 emails that you've gotten from the day before, uh, all of the requests from the chief. There's just a number of things that are delivered to you very quickly that you need to prioritize and manage in a very short period of time before your day gets started. Um, So uh, practicing the inbox is critical for your job success and being tested on it shows that you have the management skills um, as well as, as you said, the knowledge of your SOGs and policies and procedures um, that are required of an officer regardless of the level. So Heidi, you mentioned um, it's not, a lot of people I think don't think that an officer is doing an in-basket when they go to work, when they start going through their um, daily emails and any kind of memos or stuff that they've had. And you mentioned that that's what's occurring every day. Because some people I know when they want to prepare for an assessment center are baffled by what an in-basket really is. They haven't, they get really paranoid about it. And then I've, I've had um, the experience of being on a couple of assessment series where I've braided in baskets and it's just there's no rhyme or reason to what people are doing. And this yeah. is for like people that are already officers going to a higher level officer. So you made a really good point that they're already doing it. It's just they don't I don't think they understand they're doing it. They don't understand what the concept of in basket is. But so how is an in basket presented to um, a candidate taking a test? So typically the candidate will be handed a packet of materials um, and the packet will contain a number of um, fictitious emails, maybe um, training requests, uh, depending on the positions, um, uh, requests for public appearances, um, the things, all the things that you may need to do on that given day. Um, It may also include some complaints um, and some concerns from the citizens. And a lot of those uh, things that would be addressed in your fire officer one 
standards, the NFPA standards for fire officer one for a lieutenant, fire officer two for um, for the captain, and then so forth on, as you go up the rank. Um, so they could be they can be presented in a period of maybe you get a an hour to prepare, um, and then you're going to do a presentation. So you get to read all of that information. It could be given to you in a very short period of time where you don't have an hour. Maybe you only have 30 minutes. Um, and it also can be given at the battalion chief level. Um, there are departments that do a, a full day in basket. The entire testing process is in basket. And during that time where they've been given this, this colossal amount of work, emails and letters and wow. items, they will run calls in between that. So then they get to show their command presence on a fire. Um, they may be pulled out for a meeting with somebody. So it, be, it can become very dynamic. The inboxes that I primarily um, prepare people for would be those, those hour-long type in-baskets. However, the preparation that I, that I teach would prepare anybody for all of those. Um, and so you would get this large group of, of material that you need to filter through. So how do you go about filtering through it? You mentioned that you're going to get a packet with a, some information and stuff. And so does the packet have any like pertinent information, like what day it is today or what day you're actually taking the test or who you're reporting to or who's reporting to you and such? Yes. So um, they're very specific to your department. Um, so you'll be given the first and foremost is the most important thing is the instructions for your packet. Uh, we find oftentimes that People do not address things appropriately because they did not read the instructions. Um, so you need to read the instructions. Um, then you need to recognize the items and read all your items. You may be given a calendar so that you know what shift it is and how that shift aligns within your department's schedule. Um, you might be given the staffing for the day, particularly if you are in a position that may be affecting staffing, such as a battalion chief. Um, and then you'll be given um, a time limit. With all those things, you may also be given a specific item that requires a response, such as a phone call or most likely some sort of written response. Um, and I mentioned the time limits can vary. They're all over the place. Um, so you're given that all of that information. And the very first thing you need to do is read every piece of documentation that you've been given. While you're reading them, you're trying to prioritize them. You're going to prioritize them in a high, medium, or a low priority. Um, and I'm going to give you an acronym in a minute, um, and we'll talk more about, I have an acronym called STUFF, which is, um, and actually I use uh, STUFF MC, and um, those are safety, time sensitive, urgent by command, futuristic, which really means scheduling for a later time or something that needs to be done in the future. And then the M is mission critical. So anything that might reduce your service level. And then um, the C is community service. Some people may, if they don't use community service in their department, it might be public relations or public education, things like that. Um, so the first thing that I recommend people doing is recognizing where those may fall and how they prioritize. So high priority things are safety, um, things that have deadlines, uh, requests by command that are significant requests, um, staffing issues, and then things that affect your response readiness. Now, I did not list those necessarily in order. All of safety I'm putting at the top. But response readiness is pretty high. Your staffing, if you don't meet your minimum staffing, can be high. Um, now, a, a department that has a six-person truck and you only have five people on your truck that day because somebody hasn't come in may be different in that department than in my department where we only have four people on our trucks. So, um, But we could still run a call with three. We're not going to go out of service for that. But is that still an issue? Yes, because that's our min minimum response level. Um, now, if we have a flat tire, that affects our response. So these are the high, the more critical things that are going to affect our, our ability to respond to the community. 
our mediums, um, actually every item starts out as a medium when we when you're reading through them. So then you if you think everything is a medium when you're reading them, you can easily put them, that's a high priority or a low priority. So the medium action items require some action at some point during your shift. A low action item may or may not require action. It may just be in information. It may be information that you need to pass on to your crew. Um, it's it's typically something that is is simply that information. So the other thing that while you're going through these these priorities, the high, medium, and low, and the safety, time sensitive, urgent by command, futuristic, uh, when you're going through these, you also want to recognize that you probably have some that are related. You may have a conflict. You may have training and a pub ed event at the same time. You may have a training of, um, right away in the morning, but you have, say, something is wrong with your apparatus and you have to get that taken care of before you can go to training. So what you are required to do is not just prioritize. That's not just what we're looking for, that you know how what is critical. But now, after you've gotten done with that, you have to figure out how you're going to address each one of these items. So your, your, the time that they give you to prepare is, is so that you have time to prioritize them. And then you go through and you talk about how you're going to and you get ready to how you're going to present them. Some people use an acronym called ORFIDS and it's O-A-R, F as in Frank, I-D as in dog, S as in Sam. And that is the objective. What is the desired outcome? So for each one of these things, you're going to have an objective. Um, whether it's a, if the chief wants to know, uh, have a report pulled for it by you and some explanations, the objective is then to write that explanation. Um, the action, what are you going to do? Is going to be the A. Sorry, I just lost my sheet of paper. Um, and then the R is reason, why you handled it that way, why you prioritized it that way. Maybe um, something that is particularly important um, that is given to you as, I'll give you an example. The chief um, is writes an email to you that says, absolutely under no circumstances, we are requiring this safety um, initiative to be in place at all times. Well, if your expectation as an officer that you've shared with your crew repeatedly on a daily basis is that they're going to follow this safety expectation, for instance, safe seatbelts at all times, getting dressed before they get into the apparatus, things of that nature. If that is your expectation of your crew, you may prioritize that as low because you're going to explain to the assessors that I've already explained that to my crew. If I have a new person on my crew that day because the staffing that I was given showed me that, then I'm going to brief them prior to while we're getting our, our equipment on the apparatus, and I'm going to let them know that that is my expectation. I won't wait until um, until our morning meeting, which we do have morning briefings, and I'll talk about that in a bit. Um, but if, if those are things that you would normally give as your expectations, then you may be able to prioritize those a little bit lower versus someone who doesn't have that expectation, who needs to put that higher because they may have to say, hey, the chief's really honest about this. We really got to suck it up for a bit. Um, so, um, but this is all, that's giving the assessors that idea of where you stand as an officer and how how um, proactive you are in your expectations and with and with your safety guidelines and with your policies and procedures um, for an officer that doesn't have expectations and doesn't give their expectations routinely to their crews some of this stuff is going to be very difficult for them because they're going to have to prioritize them very high um, and when we explain that in this process, when they explain it to the assessors, that'll come out. Um, so the reason why you handled it that, then F is follow-up. What are your future actions? How are you going to follow up with this? So if you have um, 
an an issue with a a flat tire. Let's go back to that one. So the first thing you're going to do in my department, this is our procedure, is that we have the engineer, the driver, will contact our fleet maintenance and they will um, they'll contact dispatch and have the on-call fleet call them and then they will manage when the tire we, we're out of service right so that so they'll manage how that's going to be repaired they'll let me know I'll take the rig out of service and I will give the battalion chief either a text or a call so something that can take place in just a quick 30 minute 30 second time frame. I don't have to do a whole lot more than that. So delegation is one of our ways. One thing I do have to follow up with is, did it occur? (laughs) Let them know when it's fixed, are we back in service and let the battalion chief as well. So that goes to our next um, category, which is I, which is inform. So who needs to know in this particular case, dispatch needs to know that we're out of service. Our battalion chief needs to know and in some areas of our district, we would then text also the surrounding units to let them know that we're going to have a hole in the district. And, and so we need to be courteous to them. It also could affect training, let training know we might be late. So, so we could think about all of those things that how something like a flat tire can trickle down and a, an officer that is prepared and that that can prioritize all these things can then express to the assessors how they're going to take care of this. Um, Then we go to D, the documentation, which is whether it's in their daily log, whether it's filling out a a repair request. Um, In our department, we know that the engineer does that, but whatever the documentation that needs to occur, we need to make sure that that's done. And in the assessment process, they may actually require that you fill out some of that documentation. This is particularly popular in in an area where you have a new system in place and maybe people aren't being as um, responsive and responsible for filling out the paperwork that needs to be done. Um, That is definitely an area where they may ask. you to, to know, do you know how to use the system? Um, so, and then the S is kind of the summary and the summary is um, why you did what you did, how you prioritized what you did. And I can go into a little more detail about that. Um, so those are the two, the two um, acronyms that I like to use. Um, let's talk about some of those big items that might come up in your, um, so, in so your, I, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So real quick. So you made a good point about um, how an officer that's already set clear expectations and then realizes by going through the instructions as you, and then looking at everything that's in there that realizes now they have a new crew member that day and realizes they haven't really went over the expectation of, let's say, um, you mentioned seatbelts, of we're always going to wear the seatbelts or a new initiative comes about safety or something. And they take owners, they've totally taken ownership of that when they say that you said, you mentioned, I'm going to talk to the individual and let them know even before we start roll call, we start anything. Hey, this is my expectation. We get on that rig, we're going to wear seatbelts or for the backing policy. Say you've had too many backing accidents. Hey, I don't know, you know, this is my expectation. I'm gonna let you know right now, this is my expectation. You're taking ownership of that issue and you're showing like with the assessors, you're gonna notice as opposed to somebody saying, like how you mentioned another off, some another candidate might say, well, you know, this came from the chief and now we're gonna have to make sure that each time we back up the apparatus, no matter what we're doing, we have a backer, even if it's raining, snowing or whatever, you know, we're just gonna have to do it because that's what the chief wants or that's what admin wants or something. So you're not taking ownership. And so you could, I mean, and if you're explaining it to the assessors, I mean, you might've had the right answer. You did what what the outcome was. You went over the new policy, but the assessors are gonna realize that um, you're not taking ownership of it. Absolutely. And the whole inbox is, it's a very management heavy. um, If you look just at the task itself, it's management heavy. But the, what they draw out of it is very much your leadership as an officer. So it, it, in, in the follow-up question, which we can get to, we'll get to those later, may be, what are your expectations for your crew? And, or do you even have them? Um, so you can, it, 
you can draw out, this is your opportunity to show how you lead your crew. This is your opportunity to show how you have knowledge of your SOGs and your policies and procedures. And um, as well as share your experience and resume with, with people when, when they talk about a specific task that you are doing, you may have a lot of experience in that area. So you may have noticed, you may have had a situation where that was a very negative situation that you turned around and made positive and grew. And so you've shared that with your crew. This is that opportunity to share that information with the assessors. Okay. Thanks, Heidi. So I think um, some of the big items too, that if you think you're going to get through and these are going to be all um, minor complaints and um, little safety violations, more likely than not, there's going to be a couple, at least one, but maybe two or three large major items. Um, or they may be innuendos to a major item. And typically these have something to do with harassment, discrimination, violence, um, a major safety, uh, a breach of safety. And these need to be highlighted. These need to be set aside for you. And then if you notice the, the related items, group those together. Um, so if you have an item, and these are, these are going to be those areas where you're looking at who am I going to refer this to? And we're not talking about passing the buck, but we're talking about doing your job. And then what is your chain of command for handling this position, this situation? And a good example would be your progressive discipline policies. If you have one, um, any discipline policy has some sort of progression in them and they may be called a lot of different things. Um, typically there's a coaching, then a counseling, then a discipline. And um, maybe you have verbals, verbal writtens, writtens. There's all sorts of lists of types of discipline policies. Um, when you'll find the related items that go around these complaints. And you may, you, you have your part as the officer and then you may also need to recommend that it be followed up by HR, the battalion chief. So knowing who it goes to and knowing who you have to notify are really big deals. Make sure I cover everything on that. So Heidi, real quick on that. So like if somebody was to just say, hey, this is sexual harassment or this is what um, I'm one of the major topics you've talked about. I'm just going to, I can't handle it at my level. I'm just going to pass it up to HR. I mean, if, if they've had it in high, so they realize it's a high priority where somebody else is going to, how you mentioned, Hey, I'm going to, you know, look and see if there's anything else related. I'm going to talk to the time chiefs. I'm going to, you know, notify, you know, um, HR and such. So the more information they give, on something like that, or the, I guess they're showing more that they understand the issue than just saying, Hey, like kind of hands off thing. I know I can't handle this. I'm going to the battalion chief as opposed to, Hey, I know our policy and procedure or is to, you know, to find a battalion chief and HR at the same time. And then if there's an issue like violence, as you mentioned, or something separate him as opposed to, Hey, I can't handle this. I'm sending it to the battalion chief. Absolutely. And typically the, the, um, the problem that you'll be handed will not be so cut and dry. It won't be um, as simple as, as it maybe as simple as he's drunk and passed out in the yeah, recliner. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, yeah. um, but even with that, there's there are probably some historical events <laughs> that you could provide evidence to um, that you need to collect, and and that information has been given to you, and there may be a variety of emails or, or complaints, um, even anonymous complaints about a guy that's drinking in the station. So it may be as, as blatant as that. Um, typically there, there's a little more um, innuendo to them. And so that you have to do a little investigation. Um, you have to reach out for some counseling yourself, possibly to, to, um, and let your battalion chief know that you are doing this. Um, and 
Also counseling the people, maybe somebody comes to you with that complaint. So as I was talking that in our battalion chief processes, where there will be actually be a knock on your door while you're doing your inbox and a, an actor, will, a role player will come in and say, hey, chief, um, I wanted you to know that I'm, I'm just really getting tired of, of the guys always um, wanting to help me with my coat on and always helping me take my clothes off. And they make this big deal about it when they're taking my bunker coat off. And you know, so whatever crazy innuendo, right? Yeah. And they, they act like they're just trying to be gentlemen. And she's offended by this, right? So some officers would just say, this is sexual harassment. This is going straight to the top. You know, this is an opportunity for coaching and counseling, possibly, right? So this is your opportunity as a candidate in your inbox to say, I don't know what this is about, but I have to do some more investigation. But the one thing I have to do is make sure that person that came to me with that complaint feels safe in her work environment or his work environment. It could be either, right? So so you're taking this um, inbox and now you're actually injecting a conflict resolution um, scenario that may be in another part of your testing or maybe in your inbox. Um, so, so you're having this opportunity then to talk about this was, I, I put this in and I highlighted this as a high priority and this is why. Because if this is bad, it's bad. If it's not, I'm going to get to the bottom of it and we can put it to rest. But I need to investigate it because it can't go on because it could affect how your crew works on a call. So um, so it's a really good opportunity for management to test you on that sort of stuff and inject these little parts. And like I said before, on that, on that injecting of different types of different scenarios within the assessment center, it's also your oral resume, right? It's also your, you know, I've taken a class on conflict resolution. In that class, they recommended this, or I took the training by HR that prepared me for this test. HR recommends that we do this. So I would do this. I would call my HR rep and let her know that I am doing this and use them. for. So whatever recommendations you've been taught, if you've actually studied and prepared, you were able to then bring those out in an oral resume type situation. Let's see, I'm going to go through a couple other little things. Um, so a lot of people have asked if the in-baskets, um, if there's anything on the in-basket that doesn't need to be, b before we get to how you present this, how are we on time? Let me just... Um, like 28 minutes into it. Okay, great. Um, is it, Are there things that we don't have to deal with at all? So like I mentioned earlier, there may be a, an item that is not a high priority to you and it's a, it's a low priority. You may not have to do any action immediately. However, you need to go through that um, acronym and be able to explain to the assessors what you would do, why you aren't put, why you didn't put it in a high or a medium category. So for whichever um, task you have, you need to be able to, to put that ORFIDS um, acronym to work on it so that later when you're doing your presentation, um, you, you'll be able to justify that. So would that be something like, let's say you got an email or a call from somebody that's complaining about um, the exits are blocked at a nightclub that opens at, at nine o'clock at night or something and and they're and they're concerned about the exits are blocked and the gates always locked once the if, even if the exits open the gate that's right behind it's always locked or something and so i mean if you were like just you know i mean at eight o'clock at night if you it would might look a little strange if a crew's going to a nightclub at eight o'clock at night i mean is that something that you would like say if so if you were to say i would refer that to my fire prevention bureau or the, i refer to the fire marshal because they're more equipped and more educated on how to handle this matter and then but then you always probably want to say that i'm going to follow up to make sure it was done I mean, instead yeah. of just telling the citizen, let's say it was a phone call, let the message was left, the citizen left the message. And then, I mean, first off, I think there's a little like 
three of the four things going on here, right? Wouldn't you first want to like probably call the citizen right away and say, hey, I'm going to, you know, handle this and then call the fire marshal so that the citizen at least knows it's getting handled? Or would you, does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So that's a really good example, particularly. um, So one thing I didn't mention is that when when a department has a number of hot items, hot issues that have been going on for the last say two years since their previous testing process, those will be injected into the test somehow. So if you are having a lot of, if you had a nightclub fire in your district um, and that happened to be the issue that there were not appropriate exits or they were blocked, that will be injected into somewhere in your test. How are you going to handle that if you had gotten a complaint? Um, So that's a high life safety item um, it's seven o'clock in the morning when I get this this call. Uh, so I don't need to necessarily deal with it right away, but I do need to de- deal with it early in my day. Um, the first thing that you may, depending on how your department works, is forward that, say if it's a, a voicemail, forward the voicemail, forward the email to the fire marshal's office or whoever your appropriate authority is, um, and let them know that you're going to call the citizen or email the citizen back, maybe CC them if it's an email, that the fire marshal's office is going to be notified to look into this, but that you would also be following up later in the day to ensure that it doesn't go on one more night. Because oftentimes we think, oh, it's just one more night. Well, there's we have a, many events that we one more night's not going to cut it. So, so as much as it's not our job necessarily to show up and fix that, because we are not enforcers, we are only even in our when we do inspections, we we write the inspections up, but we don't enforce that. The inspectors do, so or the fire marshal's office does. So, um, but what we're also the eyes and the ears on the street. So if we hear that, we have to follow up and make sure it's it's um, taken care of. So in my case, I would ask the fire marshal to let me know what their plan is so that I know that they're actually following up. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's a really good example of something that would be seemingly benign because a customer is like, hey, I don't really know if this is the right place to call, but I have this little concern. That's a big concern for us. Yeah. So um Excellent um, example. Um, Let's see. Okay, so let me do a little uh, summary of where we are with. um, So when you get down, get that packet, typically how I take that packet is I number them um, like one through 10 or 20 or however many pieces of paper with with things. I number them. And then on another piece of paper, I will write down the numbers of the areas, the, the, the emails or paper that relate to each other so that I can then link them together. Um, maybe I've gotten the complaint, the, the complaint about the blocked doors um, and I got that email or I got that voicemail and it came in late last night. And then I noticed that I got an email this morning from the fire marshal's office that says, hey, we've closed down this club. So now I know that while this was a high priority item that I've been notified that it's been handled, right? So I can put those together and then it takes it out of my high priority um, category. So write them, write down your numbers, try to get them grouped into relations um, so that their related emails are with each other. I use emails because some of them are, will be briefs. Some of them will be whatever your terminology in your department is, but I'm going to use emails to kind of cover all of that. Um, And then you're going to prioritize them. And then you want to categorize them as well. You want to know, you want to be able to explain to the assessors, I've categorized this high because it's a safety, because it's response readiness, because it's urgent by command, why you've done that. Um, then go through them and write down your actions, your reasons, what your objectives, your actions and reasons are, um, and then how you're going to follow up and who you're going to inform and how you're going to document that. So that ORFIDS is really how you're organizing the things that you've prioritized. And when you are able, if you have the time, 
to write all that down, you have your presentation that you're going to present to the assessors. If you don't have the time and you've read through all the information, you should at least have the knowledge because sometimes you'll have a short um, presentation and where you very quickly have to just go through what your prioritization is. Most inboxes are more in depth and they ask for you to have this long explanation. Um, so should we go through how the presentation should go? Sure, because you just mentioned that sometimes you're just going to go and talk to the assessors about it. Like I know when I did my captain's test ages ago, what you just mentioned, it was you prioritized them. So you wrote them down and you kind of like whatever the form, the piece of paper they gave you that was pertaining to it, you wrote, you jotted down what you would do with it. Like I'd write in the logbook, I'd write in the sick log, this person called in sick, I would do this. And then you went in there and the assessors actually said, okay, number one, you prioritized as the fire engine being out of service because it has a flat tire or it's missing the some safety equipment or whatever. And then you, they'd ask you a couple questions on it. And then you went on for my battalion chief's test. You actually had to go through the entire um, uh, material, all the material and actually had to address each one as if you were actually addressing the person. So if it was a citizen complaint, you know, you'd obviously you'd call the citizen and say, Hey, I got your complaint and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to refer to the fire marshal and I'll get back to you. And some people that would, you know, that was their the extent of what they answered, or some people would probably say, "Hey, I'm just gonna," but you're not gonna really send an email. I mean, and then I'm gonna send an email to the the or a memo to the citizen. Well, you're not gonna send a memo or any kind of interdepartmental communication to a citizen. So it was an email. So you'd actually have to write an email directly to the citizen saying, "I'm going to do." You know, this is going forward to the fire marshal. I'll follow up with you. Here's my contact information. The, and obviously you can't follow up, but I'm going to follow up with you next day and then actually write something to the fire marshal. And then you'd have to write a memo to the fire marshal saying, hey, right. I told you. So there's like the like different levels, I think, of how you Absolutely. present it. So Absolutely. So and not every department has lieutenants, captains and battalions. Sometimes they just have captains and battalions or lieutenants and battalions. So um, with with the expectation that, those are the three levels and, and that they progress in either Lieutenant to BC or to captain or to, so with that progression, um, the more basic, the so their Lieutenant or first time captain in, in some departments, those are going to be more entry level in inboxes. Now they may have some depth and some um, complexity to them, but the, how you manage them as a Lieutenant or a entry level captain is going to be much different than how a battalion chief handles them. The battalion chief will probably also get all of that information that the lieutenant's already done. So that's going to be much more in depth. And as I mentioned, I think um, our, our battalion chief test literally was about eight hours um, and it was just an inbox, um, but it, it encompassed the community relations, it encompassed conflict resolution and it encompassed um, an, a couple of calls in, in between there where they actually had tones, got paged out of the room and walked into their vehicle where they ran a call. Wow. So, um, so pretty complex, but that's what our expectation is of the battalion chief. So when people start getting um, kind of um, apprehensive or anxious about the inbox process, this is how we do our job. And that's all they're asking us to do. So for me, this was the most, and people think I'm crazy, but this is why I teach this class. It was the most fun part of my assessment center because I love to prioritize things and then go and address them one by one and get it all done so that we can get on with our day, whatever that looks like. So um, if you look at it, if you have a hard time as an acting officer or a new officer and you're trying to promote to the next level, if you're having a hard time managing your station, um, I would take a good look at a practice inbox and see how you can start your day a little with a little more prioritization. And there's a couple of books out there that are um, they're more fire service books are more specific to testing, but there are a couple of books out there that are about prioritizing your day. Um, Peter Bregman makes 18 minutes, I don't know to, I can't remember the name of it, 18 minutes to something, peace and tranquility, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> maybe not. 
Um, but, but this is what you do. This is how you run your firehouse. This is how the department expects you to run it. Um, like I mentioned earlier, we have a morning briefing um, on the first day every day. And we have 48, so we don't do it on the second day. Or maybe we have a, a very informal briefing. Um, but during that time where before we, when we get to work and we're putting our equipment on our, our um, apparatus and we're checking the apparatus, then halfway through that, the officer is typically then going through their in basket and or their inbox, and they're going through what has to be done for the day. They're checking the training, they're checking the needs of the district. And so they're organizing the day for the crew. And on occasion, we'll get a call during that time, or on occasion, the chief will call. And then I have a chief meeting about a half hour later, and that injects more things into your schedule. So this is how your day is run. And if you're not doing a morning briefing, if you're running around the firehouse telling each individual person what you're doing that day, you're just <laughs> you're just driving yourself crazy. The morning briefing is a great opportunity, not only for you to tell them your expectations, but also to get to know your crew and find out what is going on. Are we response ready or not? And also builds that camaraderie that then when you know, when you can say in your inbox, in your in-basket assessment center, that you have a relationship with your crew that you work hard on by doing these morning briefings that you know and trust because you have worked with these people that they're going to come and tell you when things are going bad. So all of it relates to, to directly to the job. And I think that's where people um, get um, cannot, I don't want to use the word confused, but I'm going to use the word confused. I don't think it's the right word, actually. They hear in basket and they really don't have, know what it is, don't understand what it is. They Google it and then their mind just starts spinning about they're going to have all this stuff and they're going to have to prioritize it and they're going to have to do A, B, C, D. And it's like, I've sat with people and they've been acting officers. I'm like, well, this is what you do daily, isn't it? Isn't that what you, you have your emails and such? And I mean, you, you might have conflicting emails, you know, you might look at the, um, you might have like EMS Tuesday in my department. We had EMS Tuesdays where you go to EMS every to make sure you have the continuing hours. And so everybody, I mean, with the 4896, people trade off, people miss it. They don't miss it. And, you know, there was as an officer, you, you know, and each individual should also know how many hours they have, how many hours they need and such. But you might have EMS training that day and somehow a community event at the same time. And so. Mm-hmm. So how are you going to make sure that both could occur? And some people, I can't do it. I mean, as a battalion chief, they'd be like, well, we have EMS training and we have community event at the same time. So we can't go to EMS training or more than likely it was like, we probably don't want to go to the community event if it, depending, <laughs> depending what it was. Sorry. So it's like, okay, but is there a solution to that? And there may be a easy solution to that, especially if you know your own agency's policy procedures, rules and regs and such that if only one person needs the training, then they could go to the training and you could run three people for so many hours on an engine or a truck. And so you just, you know, you make the, as you've mentioned, you have to make the proper notifications, the dispatch that we only have three so that an extra engine or truck could come on that if it's a fire incident. And that um, if it's a medic, that we don't have a medic. So we're going to be running BLS as opposed to ALS. And we could still go to the community event because people need to realize that community service, community involvement is the reason we're there. We're here for the community. So instead of just, you know, I don't know how many times I'd have people say, well, I got two people that need to go. So we're going to be out of service for two hours or four hours, whatever it is for the training, because we've already went and only two people need it. Right. But there's ways around that. Maybe the the company next to you might have extra people as well. So you kind of combine the companies to provide greater good for the, the, the agency. Yeah, or maybe you swap time periods. Hey, can yeah. we go in the morning? Exactly. Because we have a community event in the morning, and you go in the afternoon. Or, I, have, I mean, it would be, it's hard to believe that anybody hasn't on their way to an event or training and gotten a call. Exactly. So what do you do in that situation? You know, do you call your neighboring yeah. station and say, hey, can you go start the pub ed event for me? And I will be there as soon as we run this medical call. Yeah. And we'll be right there and cover for us. You know, that's, those are the relationships that are expected to be built by your leadership. And so um, as a new officer at any level, um, you know, that's part of the thing that even if you don't do that right now, those are the things that you should 
strive to do because it creates a better service for the public. So um, we are, we're in, our department is a special protection district. So anything we need as far as funding goes to the district, goes to the members of the district, the citizens for a vote to increase our funds. And so if you don't have the heart of this community person that I am serving my community, at least it's a vote to help you get a raise at some point in life. So think about when you're going to these pub ed events and, and all of these things that we're doing that is providing a service for our citizens in our in-basket, it's, it's all to keep us with our job and to get to continue to, to provide the service. Right. So, um, so really in the in-basket can draw out how a person really feels about being a servant to their community. And so that's one of the reasons why I think it's a valuable tool. I have never been an assessor for an in-basket, but I'm certain that it's not easy. Actually, that isn't true. I completely lied. I've only done it once though. And I, it's, um, it, it shows, it shows, what type of person you really are. Um, And I don't think you can flub your way through it like you can with some conflict resolutions and, you know, just doing what the department expects you to do versus what you would really do. And And I implore that of people in all of their testing areas is act like you would. Because as an assessor, when we're looking at you, we can see through it. That is not who you are. That is not how you're going yeah, to act. And they're, they're throwing out keywords or key terms oh, yeah. and just throwing out the, the words and the terms, hoping that they stick to something. And you know, for, you can't ask them follow-up questions, but if you did, I don't think they'd actually know what the key terms they just threw out was. So you made some really good points. I think knowing your agency's policies, procedures, or SOGs, or SOPs, your rules and regs and such is going to help someone be so much more successful on a... Um, in basket because the more information you give, as we know, the higher score is going to be like with the flat tire as example, instead of just saying, I mean, somebody might just go in there and say, well, the tire's flat. So I'm going to call services and we're going to be out of service. So I'll call dispatch and tell them we're out of service and I'll call the battalion chief. And yeah, that you, you had it as high. So that's good. You had it as high. You realize it's a safety issue. You can't respond to the, the call and such. And you, you did notify the proper people, but you stop there as your your um your example was you know you're going to notify the engine have the engineer you know make notification of it you're going to follow up you're going to make sure that the other companies know you're out of service i mean you could even go further to make sure you know when you mentioned like the other companies are maybe they're going to be running short you know and can we combine engines or something so it's going to like show you're a forward thinker that you see the big picture the more information you give even though you both had it as a high priority the, uh, the person that gives them more information and could even say, you know, per our policy and procedure, you know, it's the engineer's responsibility or the per the role of engineer or driver is their responsibility, you know, per SOG, whatever, to make sure that it's documented in the logbook and that a form's filled out or whatever. And I'm going to make sure I write it in the journal and then the, the, and so it's like, you are really showing that you're more prepared to be an officer and, and, that you totally understand what the commitment to the community is of who needs to be notified, who needs to be um, kept in the loop and such, as opposed to, you know, I'm just going to notify. So, but you're right. It's um, so what are the three highest priority items? Um, Safety. So primarily it's going to be your response readiness, safety, and, and potentially staffing issues. Um, so you may have a, a a good one is, you know, I, I brought up the alcohol situation um, earlier. Unfortunately, we know that that, that is a, a problem in the in the fire service at times. Um, but that's not always, you know, somebody doesn't come to work with the alcohol in their breath. That's not an everyday occurrence. But it is not uncommon that people come to work and while they're driving to work, they get there and they're like, I don't feel good. I cannot possibly work today. And before COVID people came to work sick all the time. So, um, so, but, but maybe they shouldn't have been there because the bottom line is, can you fight a fire right now? You know, because I need you. So, um, so you may have someone that comes to work and then immediately is like, Hey, I'm sorry, I cannot be here. I got to go. 
I got to go home. Or I just received a call from my wife. My kid is sick. We're meeting at the hospital. So you may end up short staffed for a variety of reasons. So how are you going to handle that? And who are you as a human and an officer and a leader? And how do you handle that with that person? Is your wife okay? Do you need a ride to the hospital? Who do we, what do we need to do to help you be okay? Right? Joe, go call dispatch, take them out, take us out of service. I'll call the battalion chief, but let's make sure that this person's okay. So you're, you're showing these opportunities that you actually are a caring and, uh, and you're showing your leadership, um, not just your ability to manage your station. Okay. So, um, and the more you can be explicit about that, of how you would do that, not necessarily droning on for hours and hours, but when you can be explicit and, if, and efficient in talking about how you're handling this, you're going to do better in your assessment. Okay. So like um, the harassment, the violence and stuff, obviously that would be a high priority as well. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. So the, and because those all go back to safety, right? Mm-hmm. So what would be a medium item? Uh, like, so- I, mean, I know some people I've done, a, I've been an assessor on some and everybody, everything's high, even though, you know, it's like you get an email from somebody about the training divisions called and, they need you to go pick up some books from the fire marshal next for a class for next week. And they have that as high. Cause it's like, well, they need the training division needs those books. And it's like, okay, is, is it really your, the engines company? I mean, there's a couple aspects there. Is it really, I don't know if that, is that your policy that an engine company is going to go pick up these books from the fire marshal to deliver them to the drill tower? I mean, can services or another, another, um, aspect of your department, go pick up those. Is there someone on light duty that could go pick up on those? So it's like, how? at what point is that if it's next week, is that so one thing that they don't like to see is they don't like to see you reschedule things um, for a time that they can't see you be accountable for that. So but if you have um, a a medium might be you have training at 10 o'clock, but you have all these other things going on, notifying training that you have all these things going on and that you may be late. Okay. Um, okay. So, or just notifying them that can we, I've already talked to engine 12 and they have agreed to swap with us. Are you okay with that? Because we have all these things going on. Um, so a medium thing also might be a delegation thing. Um, if you are low on EMS supplies and um, they're, but, but they're critical to the fact that you need them that day. If you, we're, we're, we have ALS, either an ALS engine or we have a um, paramedics in the house on our medic units. So I'm going to delegate that task to the medics to call the appropriate resource um, and make sure that we get those supplies. Um, the same thing we talked about the engineer and the flat tire. What about just we need antifreeze or we need windshield washer fluid or um, things to that effect. So there's things that you might end up delegating out and those are going to be your medium items. The biggest thing with the, when you delegate something is to make sure that you're going to follow up with that um, and because you're not going to mark it off your list until you follow it up so you can say it's done. So it's, it's even though it might some people might think it's a safety issue because we need EMS supplies, we don't need them right that moment. So you're going to delegate it to the engineer and you could you could justify why you're doing it. We have enough to get us through. The engineer is going to call EMS. EMS has a you know one hour right time to get us here or we could get it from an ambulance when we go on the next call or such. Right. We or we're going to have to be ready right now. Okay. Exactly. Or, so, or, or we're going to on our way to training, we're going to stop by Station 12 and we're going to pick up supplies. Okay. But we're going to call, I'm going to have that person call 12s and let them know, can you set these aside for us on our way to training? We're going to come grab those. And oftentimes in reality, when that is what you would do, it oftentimes you, you might get a response of, Oh, no problem. We're headed to your station. We'll drop it off. Yeah. So another high priority or medium priority that people would say is high is, all of our reserve air bottles are low. Um, maybe they had a fire last night. They didn't get them filled. Um, 
So we have no reserve air bottles except for what's on our rig. We never go back and service with unless we have one backup bottle per person on the rig. Um, that's a that's a high priority that we get it done, but it's it's going to be a medium priority for me because I can do that throughout my day, right? So we need to get that done. But I'm not my my apparatus is I don't take those bottles with me on a fire. When a fire call comes in, I don't load up all the extra things. So I will then put that in the medium category because as much as I need to get that done, I have a lot of other things that are going to be done first. So then and I, I think that's when people when people put everything in the high high category, high priority category, they're not prioritizing. Yes, they're not. They're not they're just yeah. not hoping that something sticks. Yeah, they're just lumping it together. So then for high would be like operational readiness that that like the flat tire or the if a headlight's broken, the radio's broken or something. Yeah. Uh, safety and then like violation of like harassment or a violence yeah. or something like that, or it's something that's not gonna um so like with operational readiness as you talk, not being able not enough people to respond. And um so with the I think you might have already thought so the um the one with the doors locked because that's technically a safety issue so you would put that one in high with the door being locked with the, the nightclub oh um i would probably it depends on how how it came in and if there's related emails okay. right yeah so that's so, why it's so important to relate the um to relate the issues together right and so you're going to group all those related issues and you're going to see so when, then when you get your highs, so say I have five high priorities, well, I can't do them all at once. So I have to prioritize those as well. Right. Okay. Yes. So maybe that is a high priority to me because um, it's, it's, we do shift change. Some people do shift change at different times. So we do shift change at noon. That club opens at six. That just bumped up. That limits my time. And I'm the only person who got this email. Okay. Right. Yes. So so maybe I need to forward this right away to the fire marshal um, and ask them to call me right away. Okay. So, so I'm sorry. So it's all going to depend on your, the specifics of your department. It's going to depend on the time of day that you've gotten this, um, all the related items. Um, and then to be really honest, some common sense to it. Right? I was just, yeah. I was going to ask you that because you might get an email where, you missed a school event last shift because you went to a fire. It doesn't matter why you missed it, but you get an email from the teacher or the principal at the school that you missed this event. The kids were literally looking forward to it. And some people are going to say, oh my God, that's high because it was a community event. But in reality, it's kind of low. We missed it. We can't re go back in time to go there. It's uh, it's something I need to deal with at some point today to contact the principal or the teacher to let her know I wasn't, you know, I received your email. I'm sorry that we missed it. Let me check our calendar to reschedule it. What day looks good for you and such. But right. just because you missed it, it's not high because it happened last day. So that's why I think it's really important. I think you mentioned there might be a calendar in there and such to look at the dates and what today is, because a lot right. of times it won't be the date that you're actually taking the test to make sure if, if it's already happened, it's it's already happened. So you have to, rect you need to rectify the solution. I mean, the problem because community, as we mentioned, service is so important, but at some point today, you need to email the, the like I mentioned, to, to rectify it. And, and it's um, unfortunate that, that that would be the opportunity for me to say, maybe you look at staff and you're like, oh, I wasn't even on duty that time. Exactly. That's, that's why it's so important so, to look at the instructions and everything. Exactly. That's in the box. Because if it was me, I would have sent them an email that day that said, I'm so sorry. Exactly. Right? And you could have said that. And that could be part of your solution right? when you're telling but the, the person who was filling in for me didn't have all the specifics and didn't have the teacher's email. Exactly. And because I forgot to forward that to them. So I am going to still take care of this problem because it's my problem. Yes. Even though somebody yeah. else caused it, it's now my problem. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah. I think, yeah. So that's why you, you made such a good point when you very first started your presentation about make sure you know, um, the read the instructions of oh. what you're supposed to do and who's on your crew and such. Because if you don't, if you start out with not reading the instructions, you're pretty much setting yourself up for failure. Yep. Absolutely. But um, Heidi, we're about out of time right now. So I just want to thank you for your, um, you had a wealth of knowledge on this class on how to do an um, end basket. And you, the, I think one of the best points you made was 
People are already doing it right now as a company officer. Absolutely. And I think people just think it's a testing process. So I want to thank Heidi for being a part of the radio show and for sharing her expertise on in-baskets. And as she is right, more and more um, departments are now restarting to use in-baskets. I want to thank Fire Engineering again for allowing us to be part of their podcasts. I want to thank all the listeners and members of Women in Fire. And remember to follow us on Facebook and Instagram and to check out our website, which is womeninfire.org. And we also are on LinkedIn as well. So again, Heidi, thank you so much for your expertise on this and good night.